Remember, Paul told the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 2, remember that at one time you were separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are far off have been brought near. Now in Christ, you and I, as we look to Him in faith, are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And you and I are part of a kingdom that has no borders. Part of something bigger than any patriotism. But it's also important because being part of that number, being part of that kingdom, being part of those nations... This is our mission. If Jesus came to fill the nations, He sends us to give the nations what they need from the immigrant neighbor next door to the uttermost parts of the earth. We need to long that the nations would know. That the nations would hear that they would see a Messiah who came not for one people, but that His name might cover the earth. It's truths like this that ought to fuel not only our local missions, but our global missions. God is calling the nations to Himself. He asks us to be a part We see something glorious about Jesus here. Jesus shows Himself to really be the good Samaritan. The one who loves the foreigner. But His compassion over this crowd is not just aimed at their stomachs. It's aimed at giving people what they truly need. What their real hunger is for. And that is Himself. He's giving them Himself. You notice that the people don't even ask to be fed. It's Jesus who recognizes that here these people have been there for three days. They're probably hungry. They probably need some food before they go on their way. And we ask, wow, what would make folks do that? What would make them follow a man into desolate places with no food? Not planning ahead. Because they are illustrating, whether they realize it or not, that man does not live on bread alone. But man lives on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You see, they're hungry for Jesus. They want more of Jesus. They are seeking first the kingdom of God and they are allowing everything else to fall into place. You see, this was devotion. Didn't these people have jobs? Yeah. When they went on picnics with their family, didn't they know to pack lunches? Well, yeah. Didn't they have schedules and appointments that they needed to attend to? Probably. But it all took a back seat to following Jesus, to being filled by the one who they truly knew that they needed. You see, this is devotion. Devotion's a funny thing. Our culture sometimes is just, I'm so embarrassed by our culture sometimes and the things that we're devoted to, the things that we will do. 
to get into a concert, to get into a movie premiere. We'd rather stay up till three in the morning to catch a midnight premiere than get up an hour early to be with Jesus. You see, in this ancient field long ago, this is devotion that's worth emulating. These folks probably weren't looking for an excuse. They weren't going about their daily lives looking for a rabbi to follow out into the wilderness. But when they encountered Jesus, when they saw him for who he was, they couldn't help themselves. Everything faded into the background. The things of earth grew strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. And this is what he was trying to get them to see, that you need me, because this miracle was a living parable in and of itself. It was beyond itself. Yes, Jesus is God. He is powerful enough to multiply bread. But more than that, He is the bread from heaven. He is manna in the wilderness. He is the living water that flowed from the rock. He is the one who comes that you might never hunger and thirst again. See, Jesus came to fill the nations. You and I with Himself. These people were devoted and Jesus honored that. Jesus wants you to be with Him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that enough to trust Him with your schedule? That you might be in this place every week. That you might be with Jesus every day. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. That's the first thing we learn, but there's another. There's another truth that I want us to see this morning, and it's this. Because of who Jesus is. We've seen this picture of Jesus. Because of who Jesus is, we can trust Him boldly. Because of who Jesus is, we can trust Him boldly. You see, we not only have a hunger problem, we're hungry. We need to be filled. But we also have a faith problem. And in part, Jesus performs this miracle again. Yes, to a different group of people, but also to the same group of people, to those who are closest to Him, to His disciples. And He performs this miracle before His disciples because the disciples weren't getting it. The disciples weren't seeing Him for who He was. And they weren't the only ones. Jesus is now back as we get to the middle of the passage, verse 11. Jesus is now back on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. He's back into Jewish territory. And the Pharisees, the leaders of that day, are there to immediately confront Jesus. And they want a sign from Jesus. They want a sign that He is legit. Now, they don't really want a sign. They want to test Him. They want to entrap Him. But we're thinking, you need a sign? You have heard all that Jesus did? You have seen all that He is? What more do you need? 
And what this shows us about the Pharisees specifically is the state of their hearts. And Jesus goes on to speak to his disciples as he's trying to drill this into them, as he's trying to get them to understand. He speaks about the Pharisees that they might understand then where they are. See, this is about the Pharisees' hearts. This is about their hardened hearts. These were intelligent men that were so caught up in themselves, that were so caught up in their own self-righteousness, that they'd refuse to be exposed by the one who searches their hearts. And who has shown His glory again and again. They've heard about it. They've seen it. But no, they'd rather be rid of Jesus. And Jesus does something amazing. He, he sighs. He sighs. And he says, I'm not going to give you a sign. It's an interesting little account that's kind of squashed between this feeding of bread among the 4,000 and then this other interaction with bread on a boat with his disciples. But it's almost this little interchange with the Pharisees that Mark puts in there for us to kind of bank. And and as his disciples and he are on the move again, the scene switches back to them. They're in the boat. They're heading across the sea. And the disciples, ironically enough, start talking about how someone forgot to bring the bread. Of all the things to worry about, Andrew, it was your turn to bring the bread. Jesus says to them, watch out. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Now what is he talking about? What is Jesus' point to his disciples? They've, they've seen the miracle. Now they're complaining that there's only one loaf. There's not enough bread for all of them in the boat. And Jesus says, watch out for these two types of people. Now we think about yeast, those who make bread, fresh homemade bread. We think about yeast in lovely terms as this nice sandy powder that makes flat dough into puffy, fluffy, yummy Bread and, and that's true, it is. It's a wonderful thing. But in reality, yeast, which is a type of leaven, which is what Jesus brings to mind here, is a fungus. Sorry to ruin your bread there, but it's a fungus. And so all throughout the Scriptures, there is this negative connotation that is attached to it. If we were to bring Jesus' comments to His disciples into our modern context, we might say, Watch out, beware of the cancer of the Pharisees and the cancer of Herod. You see, as leaven works its way through dough and the character of the dough and changes it, so cancer slowly permeates the body. And so so Jesus says, watch out for this cancer. And we say, well, what What do you mean? Watch out for what? Well, for the Pharisees, we could say it was their empty traditions, their self-righteousness, their self-centeredness. For Herod, it was his worldliness, his love of pleasure, his love of sensual things. 
But there's one thing that unites them both. One thing that unites the Pharisees to Herod, and that is unbelief. Lack of faith. Lack of trust. You see, the Pharisees and Herod are gone, spiritually speaking. The cancer has permeated their bodies, and they are in the last stages. Jesus' response to the unbelief of the Pharisees is actually quite scary. He simply leaves them, turns his back on them. He gets back in the boat, focuses on his disciples, and speaks to them. All along, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand, to see who he truly is. And what are they doing? They're stressing about the bread. How quickly they have forgotten all that Jesus was and all he had done. And Jesus keeps saying, do you see me now? When I stilled the sea and walked on the water. When I provided for thousands. Did you see me when I gave hearing to the deaf man? Don't you get it? Don't you understand? It's interesting that Mark sandwiches this passage between the healing of a deaf man who couldn't hear and the healing of a blind man who couldn't see. And Jesus brings up those very things. Are you not hearing this? Are you not seeing this? And the disciples, they don't. They don't get it. And He asks us the same question this morning. Do you not remember? Do you not know who I am? See, when we forget who God is, when we live our lives as if He doesn't exist, ultimately it's unbelief. The nation of Israel suffered from this throughout their history. How many times in the Old Testament, how many times in the Psalter are we, are we told, remember the works of the Lord. Remember the things that He has done. Remember who He is. Remember what He has done for you. Paul Tripp has a gospel equation that he has written about. And it's simply this, God's compassion plus God's power equals everything you need. God's compassion plus God's power equals everything you need. You see, I think this is where this passage and this that because of who Jesus is, we can trust Him. Really comes right, right to us. Right to our lives. Right to today, wherever you are. Are you stressed about the politics of the day? Remember that King Jesus sits enthroned today and holds the hearts of the nations and the kings and the rulers in His hand. Are you stressed about your own personal finances? Remember, he who clothed the sparrows will certainly clothe you who he loves, who are made in his image and have been called for his purpose. Are you concerned about your future? Are you 
worried about the results of those tests that have yet to come back. Jesus knows. We who sit here in church week after week, can we miss the magnitude of who Jesus is? Can we become so numb to who Jesus is, so familiar to what He is about, where the stories of Him are so common that we can lose our awe? Absolutely. Jesus' disciples had been at His side for who knows how long. They had seen so much, and yet... They still aren't getting it. So brothers and sisters, Jesus this morning, He calls you out of your unbelief by looking again at who He is, by remembering who He is and what He has done and trusting Him. Yes, you need to pray along the way, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We're about to sing one of my favorite songs that says, The waves of trouble come and pour in like a flood. When condemnations rise and when failures fill my eyes, remind me once again, we sing, that You're my hope and that You're ever faithful to Your own. If we go back to the very beginning of this sermon, we think about the the joy of children and how children help us see what we can't see. You know, you can walk away from this story in a number of different ways this morning. One pastor imagined some of the ways that people might have left this scene on the hillside and returned to their homes and, and gave account of what they had seen. For those who are skeptics, they return to their homes. And like, yeah, 4,000 people, probably inflated numbers, only looked like about 450 to me. Bread came out of nowhere, but I think the disciples were sneaking off somewhere. We'll get to the bottom of it, no worries. Maybe some were just apathetic, they were bored. What happened today? What, what, What did you see? Well, yeah, Jesus... Fed 4,000 people. Um, yeah, can you, pass, can you pass the ketchup? Because i got something to do tonight. Or you can respond like a clueless disciple. What happened today? Well, Andrew forgot to bring the bread. That's what happened. <laughs> and we're stuck in the boat thinking, we got to ration this bread. Or, what's the best way? to recount this story. What happened today? Oh, Mom, you, you wouldn't believe it. Jesus was speaking it, and the words He said, they, they were with such authority, and, and they just filled me, and, 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 and I didn't understand it all, but it was so wonderful. And then, and then we all realized that we hadn't eaten in forever, and, and Jesus said, well, let's eat. I'm going to feed you. And and suddenly He fed everybody. And there was like 4,000 people there. And it was amazing. I don't know where the bread came from, but we praised God and we thanked God and we worshipped Him. It was wonderful. See, we need to wonder like a child. We need to adore Him for His plan to save us.
a plan to fill the nations. We need to worship Him for His power and His compassion, and we need to trust Him with reckless abandon. Friends, He will fill you. He will be faithful to you. And to those who draw near to Him, to those who put everything else aside, that they might be filled with Jesus, He'll meet you. He'll take care of your needs. Just seek His face. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for these truths from Your Word. We confess how easily our doubt and our unbelief and our skepticism creeps into our world. Lord, as we go from this place, I pray for these people that they might wonder like children. That they might wonder and sit in awe at a Heavenly Father, at a Savior who fills them, who is faithful to them, and who desires that they might be with Him. Oh, Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. We in the name of Jesus, our all-sufficient Savior. Amen.